And I want to talk to you about something God's put on my heart for this service here today. Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me, first of all, to John 15, and then I'm going to go to John 20 and uh, read a verse of scripture there to you. And in John uh, chapter 15 and verse 14 and 15, 15 and verses 14 and 15 in St. John, this is a, uh, a, a talk that Jesus was giving his disciples at the Last Supper, just uh, following the, the exit of Judas Iscariot. Judas Iscariot had just gone out the door, gone to betray the Lord, and when Jesus had just the 11 that was left there at the Last Supper with him, and he began to talk to them, he really talked to them about some very important things. And this is what he said here in this 14th and 15th verse. And I have chosen for my subject today, Jesus, our friend. And I'm going to put a lot of emphasis on that this morning because we've got to have Jesus as our friend. and He wants to be our friend and he can be our friend. And we can have him as a friend. You will have no better friend in this life than to have Jesus Christ as your friend. And uh, here in these verses of scripture it says in the 14th verse, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father I have made known unto you. So being a friend of the Lord means that God lets us know what's coming down the pike as well as letting us know that he's there for us. Uh, He said in one place, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He said, go ye in all the world, preach the gospel. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the world. So the Lord's given us definite scriptures. Also, some in the Old Testament where he's promised never to leave us. He's our friend And sometimes we have to be assured that Jesus is there and that he's our friend. I want to talk to you here today about this. Uh, In conjunction with that verse of scripture, I'm going to read one that really ties in with Easter with us here today. And this is concerning Mary Magdalene coming to the sepulcher of Jesus following his resurrection. And in the 20th chapter of the book of St. John, it says that Mary Magdalene came to the sepulcher, found it empty, and thought they had moved the body of Jesus. And so she was very upset about it, and she went and told Peter and John about it. And Peter and John ran down there, and they went into the sepulcher and found the linen cloths and him gone, but they still didn't understand what had happened. And they went on their way, wondering and trying to come up with some answers about all this, And as they did, Mary was walking in that area weeping. And I'm going to pick it up at verse 11. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one on their head and the other at the foot, feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She says unto them, because they have taken away my Lord, I know not where they have laid him. And uh, before I go any further, uh, I was in the Lord's sepulcher in Jerusalem about five years ago. We had made a trip there. And when you go into the sepulcher, there's a long line 
that lets you go. You, you have to wait in line. And then finally they let in two or three people and they, then they come out and then they let in two or three others. And it's sort of a going on thing like this. But it's always three or four, five people inside the sepulcher almost any given time whenever the garden place is open. And uh, so we're all waiting in line. And then people sometimes take pictures outside the sepulcher where it would say, and then they take pictures and so forth, you know. Well, when it came time for me to go in, the people ahead of me had come out. The people that I was with going in with them, they decided to take pictures and I went in by myself. And I was the only one in there. I had been at the wailing wall and I had prayed and felt the Holy Ghost. I had been in the upper room and there was a Spanish group there having church service. This was actually on the day of Pentecost and they were having work service. And I walked over close to them and men, I could feel the presence of God. So here I am in the tomb all by myself. And I thought, man, what an experience. This, what an experience this. I lift my hands and I raise my hands and I worship the Lord and I didn't feel a thing. I tell you the truth. I didn't feel anything. I didn't feel his presence. I didn't feel his power. I didn't feel the Holy Ghost. There was nothing. Empty, cold, dead. And I came out and others came in and everything. I Later on, we went and had communion and everything, and I was saying, God, why didn't I feel your presence in the tomb? And the Lord spoke to my heart and said, because I'm not there. I'm not there. Just like that. You didn't feel me because I'm not there. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad that the Lord rose from the dead? And I said, yes, God. And so from that point on, I said, I understand. I worship the Lord. Now, I'm reading this scene here. And uh, I'm reading this 13th verse. And they said unto him, the angels, now I'm going to read the 13th verse again. The angels said unto him, woman, why weepest thou? She said unto him, because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. She didn't know it was Jesus. And the reason is because he was in his resurrected state. He was not like he was when he was crucified. When he was crucified, they pushed the crown of thorns on him, pierced his skull. They had beaten him. They had hit him with with reeds from the face. Uh, It doesn't say it in the New Testament, but in Isaiah chapter 50, I think it's verse 7. I'm not sure, but chapter 50 in Isaiah, it says they plucked out his beard but it doesn't say it in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament it prophesies that they, had, they plucked out his beard. So Jesus was marred. His body was marred all over. They pierced his side, his hands, and his feet, and uh, beat him with a, with, with a cat of nine tails that had little bits of lead in the end of it, or a bone, one or the other, and it would cut into the flesh every time they lashed him. He had 49 stripes, save one. One was not to kill him with. And those executors would literally the whipper would try to ex, to try to kill him before he went to the cross with the beating i'm just telling you what jesus went through that you and i might be saved and his blood was shed and so he had this terrible appearance when they hung him on the cross uh, the only scars that jesus allowed to remain in his body was for identification that was the ones in his hands he mentioned and the scar in his side the one in the feet, I'm not, it doesn't mention anything about that. 
But the others were all taken away. So when Mary saw him in the garden, she just thought he was somebody else. She didn't know it was Jesus because he didn't look like Jesus when she saw him last. So I'm going to read that verse to you again. And, uh, and it's, the Bible says in the 14th verse, and when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus said unto her, woman, why weepest thou? Why, whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, sir, if thou have borne him hence, if you've taken him, picked him up, take him away, tell me where thou hast laid him and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. Now I want you to notice that's all he said to her at this point, Mary. And the Bible says that when he said that, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is to say master. And when he called her name, he immediately, she immediately knew who he was because there was a relationship that had been established between Mary and Jesus and between Peter and Jesus and between John and, Je- and all of his disciples, a relationship they had come to know Jesus on a first name basis. Can I say it like that? And that relationship, praise the Lord, is how she knew. He said, Mary. And he says, she says, nobody has ever spoken to me like that. Praise the Lord. And she turned and she knew it was of the Lord. So I'm telling you here that there is a relationship that can be established with Jesus Christ. That every one of us need to establish when we come to the Lord. I don't know how long you've been living for God. And I know many of you who have lived for God for years you have a wonderful relationship. I'm going to tell you a little bit about some experiences I've had because I, I just want to share it with you this morning. Some things I've never even discussed or talked about. But having a relationship with Jesus Christ is one of the greatest things you can have in this world. We've got to have a relationship with Jesus. Praise the Lord. It's not enough just to repent and be baptized and in Jesus' name and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Though that is essential to be saved, that is essential. And uh, people who come to the Lord, that's what they have to know that. But from there, we have to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we have to get to know him on a, can I just say it on a first name basis? Uh, David said in Psalms 22, sorry, 23, 1, Psalms 23. Most of us know this one. It's the most famous Psalm in all the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd. But I want you to notice in that verse, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. He, does not, he did not say the Lord is our shepherd, even though the Lord is our shepherd. But when David wrote that psalm, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Sort of like a little boy and his mother standing there. And you may ask him, who is that lady? He said, that's my mama. Now, he may have, he may have, scads of siblings you know you know used to they had big families you know that seven eight nine ten kids and everything like that you know he could have had ten siblings and uh, they'd say who is that woman he didn't say that's our mom he'd say that's my mama that's my mama in other words it's personal and I'm just saying that all of us must know Jesus as my savior not just as our savior and the one who loved us 
but my Savior, the one who loved me. In the book of John, very oddly, and you pretty well have to understand John to know this, but when he speaks of himself, even right in these verses, when he talks about him and Peter going to the sepulcher, he refers to himself as that disciple whom Jesus loved. At the Last Supper, he talks about Jesus turning and speaking to him, and he said Jesus spoke to that disciple whom Jesus loved. And he spoke of himself that way. And here he said, Peter and that disciple whom Jesus loved. But John had come to know Jesus on a very personal, very, uh, very personal way in which Jesus was his friend. And what I'm saying to all of us here today is that we have to get to know Jesus on a very personal basis. We've got to know him as our friend. Praise the Lord. And I want to talk to you a little bit about this friendship with Jesus that we established with him. Praise the Lord. If you look at Matthew 16, uh, 15 for just a moment, this is a familiar text with most all of us. But I want to read it to you here. Uh, St. John uh, chapter... uh, Chapter 10, I want to go to chapter 10. St. John chapter 10, look at this verse of scripture. He says, Verily, verily, I say unto you that he that entereth not in by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth in some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the porter turneth, openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. Everybody hear that? The sheep, his sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name and leadeth them out. In other words, they know his voice. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before him, for they know his voice. His people know his voice. They know how he speaks to them. And a stranger will they not follow but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. And when you get saved and you start living for God and we establish this personal relationship with Jesus Christ, we understand whenever it's something from God and when it's something not from God. There are false doctrines that crop up. There's somebody out here waving a flag. Oh, we got a greater truth. We know something better. We know something different, everything. No, 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 no. I know the master's voice. I know what he said in his word, and his word has spoken to my heart. Praise the Lord. That's why Paul said, having received the, received the spirit, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh or things? They say, you got to go back and keep the law. You got to go do this. And you got to go do that. and You got to do that. No, no, no. The spirit and the Holy Ghost in me gives me direction and guides me and keeps me. In Matthew 16 and 18, if I can look at that verse for a moment, uh, the Bible says that Jesus spoke to his disciples. And I'm going to read this verse of scripture to you. I'm going to start with the 15th verse. This is 1615. And this is brought out in our drama even where that the Lord speaks to uh, Peter and his disciples on this. It says here in the 15th verse, he saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Now, what had happened, they had been talking to him, and he said to them, Whom do men say that I am? They said, Oh, they say that you're Elijah, or you're John the Baptist, or uh, that's, been, that's come back to life again, or John, or Elijah that's come back to the earth. 
uh, because the Bible says in, in the Old Testament prophesied that Elijah will return again. And it says, they think you're one of these prophets, but whom he says, do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And this is what he said in the 15th verse. And he said to them, but whom say ye that I am in verse 16? And Simon Peter said unto him, thou art the Christ. That means the Messiah. That means God manifest in flesh. They all knew what that meant. They were Jews. There's only one God. And the Messiah was God manifest in flesh. Simon Peter answered and said to him, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus saith unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjuna, flesh and blood had not revealed unto thee, my Father which is in heaven. And then the 18th verse, Jesus says to him, And I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, the Catholic Church likes to say that Peter was the rock he was referring to. But the word Peter does not mean rocks. Does not mean, it means a stone, like a hand stone, like you'd pick up a stone in the ground. A rock that's spoken of here in the sense that Jesus was the solid rock is like a Manhattan Island is built on a rock. You know, that's why they can build tall buildings right there, because it's a rock foundation. And they tried to build a big skyscraper in Houston, Texas, and they said, we don't have the foundation in the earth for that. We can't do it. We can't go that high. But in Manhattan, they could because it's a rock. And they could build twin towers, Empire State Building, and so forth. So I'm pointing out to you here the difference between the word stone and rock. And so he says here, I say unto thee, there art Peter. Now I want you to notice here the the discussion that went back and forth. Whom do ye say that I am? There are Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And then Jesus said to him, And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter. You say I'm Christ, I say to you, You're Peter. You know who I am, I know who you are. And upon this rock, that is the rock of a relationship, I will build my church. Upon this rock of you knowing who I am and me knowing who you are. Us having a personal relationship in Jesus Christ. Now, this is taking this scripture a little bit further than just saying Jesus is a solid rock. But it's also letting us know that there is a relationship factor involved here. Because why would Jesus say, and I say unto thee that thou art Peter? What difference does that make? He said, thou art the Christ. And he, he could have said, and upon this rock I'll build my church. He says, and I say unto thee, thou art Peter. In other words, I know you, you know me, and on that relationship, I will build my church. And folks, we have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Lord wants us to have that relationship because with the relationship in Jesus, we can abide. We can, we can handle every storm. We can handle every wind that blows. We can handle every trial that comes. We can handle every situation that comes our way. Everything that the devil would throw in your way, we can handle if we have that personal relationship with Jesus Christ, but we have to establish that relationship with the Lord. I want to read one other scripture here that's this in, uh, this in John, uh, I think it was uh, John 15. If you look in that verse of scripture with us for a moment, look at 15.1. John 15.1. This is where Jesus is talking about And he's still talking to his disciples at the Last Supper at this scene. He says here, I am the true vine and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he will take away. Now, verse four is where I want you to look at. 
Abide in me and I in you. Verse 4. This is 15.4 of John. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abideth in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. He said, verse 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. And then verse 6, 6 says, if a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. And men gather them and cast them into the fire. They are burned. Verse 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you. Ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. And so he goes on to say, verse 10, If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love. And he goes on then to talk about the love of God and abiding in Christ. So what I'm pointing out to you here is just some very simple understanding here about how important it is to establish a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Every one of us, when we get saved, We've got to, and we do that through prayer and reading the word of God. And once in a while, throwing in some fasting along the way. Prayer and fasting and the reading of the word of God. And if we will do that, I want you to know that God will establish a, a, a rapport, a relationship with us. And he'll be able to speak to us when we need to be spoken to. And if, whether it's to correct us, to tell us he still loves us or to tell us that he is really still with us and that we can just keep on going forth and he's on our side. Praise the Lord. Sometimes we need that. Uh, whenever I was first saved, I was 16 years old. And uh, the Lord called me just months after I was uh, saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. And I was praying out in the woods one day. That's, they, they said, you know, if you really want to get close to God, fast and go out in the woods and pray. And I did. So that's what I started doing. And sure enough, I was out praying one day and the Lord called me to preach the gospel. And I asked God for a confirmation. He gave me three confirmations following that. I won't go into details on that, but I knew I had a calling to preach the gospel. Then the Lord laid on my heart to go to Bible school. And I was going to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma to Bible school. And the Lord changed me on that. And I knew that I was to go to St. Paul to Bible school and to the Apostolic Bible Institute. And I started making plans uh, then to go to Apostolic Bible. I was only, I turned 17 in July. And shortly after I turned 17, the latter part of August, just a month later, I, uh, I got on a bus, Greyhound bus, and I rode for three days and two nights on a Greyhound bus from Tampa, Florida, going to St. Paul, Minnesota to go to Bible school. I packed, had everything packed up. I'll be quite honest with you. I'm not poor mouthing to nobody, but I think I had two suits. And then I had a sport jacket and a pair of extra pants. And I learned how to match all the things around so they looked like I was an okay guy. You know, I think I had about two or three white shirts and I had some ties, you know, that looked like they, they were not ministerial ties. They were just all flashy looking ties. I had to buy some better ties when I got up there. But I didn't have much money or didn't, anything. And my mom and dad said, we will be sending you money. I said, no. I said, if God's called me to preach. And I said, he's laid on my heart to go there. He will take care of me there. And I wouldn't receive anything. They said, all right, but if you need anything, let us know. And, you know, we won't forget you. My mother said, write me every week. Now, we didn't have telephones back then. Telephones were too expensive. We had them, but they didn't, they, you didn't use them. It's too expensive. So I had to write her every week. So I did let her know everything was okay and everything's going fine. So I went to school. 
And folks, when I got up there, that was a different world up there. I grew up in Florida, you know, Pensacola, Miami, Tampa, you know. My dad was working, it's construction work. And all of this, I went up there. My Lord, I mean, it wasn't like a month up there and it started getting cold, you know, and then everything, and it started getting cold. And I said, I better go to, and I, I went down, I never will forget, I went down to Montgomery Ward. And uh, I walked in there, and there's two desks sitting up there. And I said, well, let's see, any minute, well, okay, I'll go to that one. And I went there, to, and I put in an application. And uh, they said, okay, we, uh, we'll look at your application and call you back. And uh, I went home and prayed all day and memorized, you know, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them, to love the Lord to them, who are the call according to his purpose. I memorized it for the first time. I said, God, you know, you got to help me. I don't have, I'm out of, I just got enough money. I wouldn't eat anything because I was saving my money for tuition. Just a little bit of money I all had. And, uh, and I, I said, well, I'm going to go back the next day and go to the other desk. So I got up the next day and I went to the other desk. And while I was waiting in line to go to the other desk, which was a, in Montgomery Ward, and it was, the, it was the, uh, the retail department, I had gone first to the wholesale department. I mean, the mail order where they catalog stuff, you know, mail order. And it was a nine-story building. And uh, I went there, and the woman over there said, sir, weren't you here yesterday? I said, yes. She says, we looked at your application. I was going to call you. We want to we hire you. And, man, I was so happy they hired me. They hired me at 91 cents an hour, four hours a day. Man, the whole week I made 20 bucks, you know. I had a job, you know. Everything. I mean, you know, that went a long ways back then, but still. And they, finally they raised me to 97 cents an hour and then $1.14 cents an hour, and I started climbing. But my job was janitorial work, cleaning up, sweeping up in these mail order, this on the seventh floor. Now listen to me closely on this. In the school, we had classes, and then they had a break time in which you could drink coffee and eat donuts and play ping pong for 20 minutes and then go back to class. Somebody told me, said, Myers, don't do that. Go to the prayer room. I said, okay. So I'd go to that prayer room every day along with others like myself that was struggling. And we would get down and we would pray. And I'm going to tell you something, praying every day at that 20-minute session and praying and calling on God began to help me to establish a relationship with Jesus. I fell in love with the Lord. I loved praying more than I loved going and getting a donut and a cup of coffee and paying ping pong. I remember one guy came there. He didn't know how to play ping pong. He learned how to play ping pong. He got, became the best ping pong player in the whole school. But he lasted one year, and he, and he had to be, and he bombed out, had to go home. He, he never made it. He never made it. I'm just saying he never established a personal relationship with Jesus in that prayer room. And then I'd go to work, and I'd do all my cleanup. And when I got all my cleanup wood, I'd go to the window on the west side of Montgomery Ward building, and I'd look out, and it, when it was still warm enough, I'd open the window, and I could look out across the Mississippi, and I could see Minneapolis on the other side. And I would stand there and I would pray and I'd talk to God. And I'd say, God, you're my friend. You've got to help me every day. You've got to be with me. And every day I look forward to cleaning that floor and getting through and then going to that window. Pretty soon they started asking me, Myers, would you stay over in nuclear? And uh, I just had barely enough money to make it every week. I had no extra money for anything. 
But I'm going to tell you what, the Lord, the guy came to me and said, would you, you know, shellac the floor here after everybody leaves? I said, yes. And so I stayed over and I started getting overtime. The guy on the ninth floor today, to the guy on the seventh floor, the manager, hey, your floor looks great. He said, yeah, I got this guy that does it for me. He said, send him up my way. I'll let him do mine. So, man, next thing I know, I'd work on all this extra time, you know, working like say, nine, nine o'clock and then doing all this floor stuff. I bought me an overcoat. Man, I did Montgomery Ward there in, in the bargain basement, you know, with big fur collar like this, you know, and everything. And snow boots and gloves and earmuffs, you know, and a hat. And I think the first time I wore the hat, it blew away and I never wore it again. I just had that big old thing over my ears. I'm just trying to say, as tough as it was on a young kid going off to school, God was with me. And I learned to trust him. And I'm going to tell all of you here today, there's a relationship that we can all build with the Lord. And I know many of you have this relationship. I'm not, I'm not speaking as though you don't. I know you do. But if you don't have, we've got to have a relationship with Jesus. It's not enough just to repent. I see people get baptized and they say, okay, my sins are washed away. I don't see them for a while. Where do they go? But then you've got to fall in love with Jesus. Praise the Lord. You've got to say, I want to go to church. I've got to be in the house of God. I want to worship the Lord. I love Jesus. And you have to establish and build that relationship with Jesus Christ more than anything in all the world. One year, I want to confess this to you, one year I went to Miami. I mean, I went to Miami every summer and worked with my dad in the construction work, plastering and stucco work and so forth. And uh, one summer I went home. This was in, uh, I think, about the second, third year. I went home that summer, and I couldn't get a job. But when I finally did, I got, did get a job, this guy said to me, Myers, the reason I don't hire you is because you turn around and go by and you leave us and you go off to school again. I said, all right, I promise you I won't go off to school this year. I'll stay. Okay, I made a commitment to him. I wouldn't go off to school. I'll stay. And I thought to myself, I'll skip a semester and go back and say in January, you know, and sort of pick up there. I won't be with my class. I'd be a half a semester behind. I'd be in another class and all that. But, you know, I want to do it. And not only that, but I want, I want some things. I want a tape recorder. You know, I want a, uh, they have tape recorders. They had big, I don't know, you know, music things. And I wanted a nice camera. I just wanted to be like in style with everybody else, you know. I wanted some better clothes, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And to make things worse, now, I actually did. I'm going to confess something to you. I went and bought a baby blue Cadillac. <laughs> so, so I'm going to buy this Cadillac, I'm going to pay it off, and I'm going to drive it back to Bible school so I don't look like I'm the poorest guy. I was probably the youngest guy in school when I went up there, if not the youngest, next to the youngest. And uh, Brother Tom Fred Tenney was our class president, and he was only a few months ahead of me even. even. But anyhow, we were all in school together. And I said to myself that summer, I said, I'm just going to stay home and work. And so I started working that way, and I was paying off this Cadillac, you know. It wasn't a brand new one. It was an old, about five, six, seven years old, but it was running like a sewing machine, 46 or something like that. I don't know what year it was, this old Cadillac, but it sure did run like, like a little sweet honey. And uh, I just loved it and everything. And one night, it was getting close to going back to school. One night, I knelt down by my bed. And I was doing my nightly prayer before I jumped in bed. And as I was praying, the Lord spoke to me. And I'm going to give you the verse of scripture that he spoke to me about. And uh, it's found in uh, John, uh, John 19, I believe it is. 
Let's see here. Let me find it. Yeah, okay, I'll find it. Here, chapter 21. And this is whenever Jesus saw his disciples fishing. And they came to shore. They caught all these fish in the net. And then Peter came to shore. And when they got to shore, Jesus had food on the, on the they had fished all night and caught nothing. And then the Lord said, catch the net on the other side. And they caught a bunch of fish. And Peter said, you know what? You got to have God on your side or you, you can't get anywhere. So it says here, I'm, I'm reading this so you'll understand what happened to me. So it says here in this 15th verse, so when they had dined, Jesus said unto Peter, Simon Peter, lovest thou me more than these? And he said unto him, yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said, feed my sheep. And three times the Lord said that to Peter. And Peter just got a little bit aspirated because the Lord said it three times to him. You love us down, me more of thee, and feed my sheep, feed my lambs. You know, right on down. Now, I'm telling you that because when I was down praying, the Lord said to me, spoke to my heart, just like it was an audible voice, but it was to my heart. Now, the Lord doesn't need your ears to hear it with, you know, and all that. He just speaks to your heart directly. If he wants to, he can do it either way. He said to me, lovest thou me more than these? And I said, yes, Lord, because when I was praying, I felt like the Lord was doing this. And I was over there. And he had turned away like that. I'm not, I'm not listening. I'm not. Talk to the hand. Give <laughs> your palm to him talk to the hand. I'm not listening, you know. And I felt like God, the Lord was doing that to me. And I said, Lord, you know, I tell, I'm telling you, I love you. I love you, Lord. And the Lord was like, like this. And then the Lord said, lovest thou me more than these? And when he said that, I knew exactly where it was coming from in the scriptures. And I broke down and I wept and I cried. And I said, God, I know that you're preparing me for the ministry. If you want me to go back to school, help me to sell my car. I don't have any money to go back with. You know, I don't have no money. And uh, help me sell the car. My boss, I promised him that I wouldn't leave him. I'd stay with him and I wasn't going back to school. And I have no way of going back. I have no transportation. I don't have anything. I'm just not ready. And the next day, this was on a Monday night, on a Tuesday day, I went to work. And a guy said to me, Myers, are you interested in selling your car? I've been watching you drive that on the job, and I like it. We were all apprentices. We were a bunch of young, young men that was learning to do the stucco and plastering business there in Miami. He said, he said do you, are you interested in your I said, yeah. I said, in fact, to be honest with you, if you just take over the payments, it's yours. He said, done deal. We went, and we went down that day, and I signed that car over to him. My dad helped me, you know, to make the arrangements. Car was gone. Amen. The next day on, this is on Tuesday, on Wednesday, the next day the boss walks in, we're, all, we're eating lunch together, all of us young guys. He said, so-and-so is a draft board after you? He said, yes. He said, you might as well go on back and join the army, whatever you're going to do. So-and-so, what about you? The other draft is after me. So-and-so, what about you? And then he came to me and he said, Marge, you might as well go on back to school too. Just go on back to school. He said, we need some good, we need some preachers out there, I guess. He said, you might as well go on back and study for the ministry. He released me just like that. And then on Wednesday night, I went to church and there's a couple saying, Brother Myers, we're driving all the way up into the Midwest uh, in, a, in the end of this week. I think it's on like on Thursday or Friday. And all I want is somebody to help me drive. It won't cost you nothing. You can ride that far, no cost. And 
I had enough money to catch a bus from there on to St. Paul. You know, and my dad said to me, I'll make up the difference and get you back to school. And folks, within a few days, I was on the road going back to school because God had opened that door. And I only tell you that because you've got to understand the Lord can know us on a first name basis, a first name basis. Praise the Lord. And I'm telling you the truth that so many times God has just spoken to my heart and especially from the word of God. And let me know that he loves us, that he cares about us, that we are special to him. And he hasn't forgotten us because it's easy to think God's forgotten me. But if you don't have a, if you don't have a relationship with the Lord, establish a prayer life. Establish that. A time you talk to Jesus. And go to church regularly. This preacher gets in the pulpit and he preaches. And he's, he's preaching away on a, something God's given him to preach. And something will come in his mind to go off in a certain direction. He doesn't know why, but he knows he's under the anointing. And he'll preach on something. He doesn't know it, but there's somebody in the congregation that needs to hear what he's saying right there. And it goes to their heart and God speaks to their heart. It might be a correction. It may be a chastisement or it may be an encouragement. But it's something that they need to hear. And I'm just trying to say we have to be in the house of God to know that. There's been times I've come so close to not going to church over something. that's sick or not feeling good or whatever the situation was. And I'd go to church anyhow and that'd be something said perfectly just for me. And I was so glad I had gone. So be found in the house of God as much as you can. And when you do get there, worship God, praise him, glorify him, magnify his name. And don't just sit there like a bump on a log and don't just do your, you know, cell phone stuff and don't play games and don't play with the kids all the time. But, but worship the Lord and glorify God. I know mothers and grandparents have to take care of the, the little ones around them. I know that. But don't excessively do all that so that you can worship God, glorify the Lord and praise the Lord. So we can all have individually, individually have a personal relationship upon this rock, this rock of relationship, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the reason the church has stood for 2,000 years and empires have risen and fallen and they have risen with great armies and great leaders and everything else, but they've risen and fallen. But the church has stood because it's built on a relationship, personal relationship by each one of us individually with Jesus Christ. Praise God. I'm going to close with this about uh, five years ago. I was invited to go to Miami to preach their anniversary service down there. Brother Hatterball had been there 15 years. And uh, Sister Rooks, Brother Rooks had passed away. Sister Rooks was still there. And their 60th, she had been there 60 years. They were the pastors before had a, Brother Hatterball. And so I had been invited to go down there and preach the anniversary service Sunday morning and Sunday night for them. And uh, when I went down, I preached Sunday morning. And we were in service and so forth. And then that afternoon, I went back to my hotel and uh, rested. And we had dinner, of course, and I rested and everything. And then I began to look at the Word of God. And I went back to this scripture that God had spoken to my heart 60 years before. It said, lovest thou me more than these? Went back and I started reading this verse of scripture. And here's what it said. Lovest thou me more than these? And I said... 
He said, lovest thou me more than these, or lovest thou these more than me? I said, six one way and half a dozen the other. If you say it one way, it's the other same thing. And I looked at that verse again, and I said, no, no, it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. That was in that experience now. He said, he didn't say, lovest thou these more than me. He wasn't trying to bring these things down to equal him. You understand what I mean? Lovest thou these more than me? In other words, we shouldn't love anything more than Jesus. He didn't say that. He said, lovest thou me more than these? He wasn't bringing those things down equal with him. He was saying, I want you to be above these things. Do you understand what I'm saying? I looked at that verse for the first time in all of these years. Many times that I've read it. Lovest thou me more than these? And he was talking to Peter because Peter loved to fish. He was a fisherman. He liked to go out and catch fish. You know, he, he wanted to do that rather than preach the gospel is what I'm trying to say in the place of preaching the gospel. And we have to lay everything else second place to Jesus Christ. It's not that God wants us not to love something more than him. He wants us to love him more than everything else. Lovest thou me more than these? And when I read that, I said, oh my goodness, all these years. And here I am back in Miami where the Lord once spoke to my heart about this verse of scripture. And now I'm looking at it again, all over again. And the Lord speaking to my heart all over again and said, I'm talking about loving me more than all these things. So I'm going to leave this with you here. This, I'm just, I have spoken to you from my heart here this morning. That we have to love Jesus, folks, with all of our heart. When you come to the Lord, and if you want to walk with God and know the Lord and serve God and be faithful to God for years and years and, and let your life grow in Christ, we have to establish a relationship with Jesus Christ. And that comes by about prayer, praying faithfully. And that comes about, praise the Lord, by reading our Bible. When you pray, you talk to God. When you read your Bible, he talks to us, you, me. He talks to us. So these, this relationship, and then once in a while, throw in a fasting. Praise the Lord. Throw in a fasting. It doesn't hurt us. It doesn't hurt us. Yeah. It does us good. Praise the Lord. Fast for three days. Fast for a day. Fast for three days. You know, I've fasted seven days, two or three times. You know, that's, that's a, it's a funny thing. After a few days, it don't make much difference to <laughs> But I'm just trying to say here, once in a while, throw in some fasting, try to get close to God. Because the Lord will strengthen you and you'll just go along and think, oh, well, I'm just doing these things, you know, because I'm supposed to do it. And then up and out of nowhere, the Lord has to speak to us or he does speak to us or he lets us know something that I'm still with you. Praise the Lord. And one time I got real discouraged in the ministry and uh, got real discouraged. I said, God... You know, I've always thought you called me to preach the gospel, but did you really call me to preach the gospel? And the Lord said, remember that time back there in 1954 when you went home from Bible school that summer? And I spoke to your heart, and the Lord just, you know, goes to my mind. Lovest thou me more than these? And I said, yes, Lord. He said, I said, feed my sheep. I wouldn't have said that if you had to call you to preach the gospel, you know. Do you understand what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, it all came back, and I said, yes, Lord, you've called me to preach to God. I won't ever doubt you again. Praise the Lord. I love you. 
Folks, I'm just trying to tell you here today that we all have a special walk with God. You have talents nobody else has. You have ability and a place in the kingdom of God that nobody else has. And the Lord wants to all use us all, each and every one in that special place. And he wants you to walk with God. But we have to get close to the Lord and walk with him and serve him. And in these last days, you want to be close to the Lord because it's his friends that he reveals the secrets to. And there are some things coming in this world. There's things coming down the pike that we're going to say, God, I want to know you better than I've ever known you before in this last day, in these last days that we're in. Would you stand with me together and let's just worship them all together here this morning. You've been a great class.